Hello and welcome to the Wired BioHealth Podcast. My name is Jacqueline Hall and I am joined by your show's host, Dr. Evelyn Higgins. Hey, Jackie. Great to be with you. Likewise. So we picked an interesting topic today, Mm -hmm. um, one that I'm not going to say many relate to, but many might be able to relate to. Absolutely. At least at some point in your life. Some point. You hope it's in your early days. Right. You're not still doing it, but finding a healthy relationship and then being bored by it. Mm Mm-hmm. Why that happens, breaking it down between the biology, the psychology, the sociology of healthy relationships that just aren't interesting. Right, right. And there's people who repeat that over and over again, you know, yeah. find a, a, a good person and be like, yeah, that's boring. Come mm-hmm. on. And it's because early in their life, they identified with always having drama, mm-hmm. always some problem, always turns into looking for something outside of yourself to bring it home. And why do we think that women seem to be the ones to take on projects where a guy isn't going to stick around if it doesn't come perfect? I think uniquely in our DNA, we're wired to be caretakers, Mm -hmm. you know, to different extremes within women. But I think it's part of a woman and, you know, this may get like bashed and not politically correct or anything else, but your biology is your biology. That's a reality. Right. Right. That's a reality. And women are more caretaking, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that can be two degrees, but, you know, women love to take on projects. Yeah. And I think you just shared with me a stat that nine in 10 women will stay with a man drinking alcoholically and nine in 10 men will leave Leave. a woman who is drinking alcoholically. Right, right. That's bizarre that this is the same number is just the opposite way. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. And and, um, it, it just it tells you like how all this works. And most times to use that example of where that data um, came from was women become addicted much faster Mm -hmm. with alcohol Mm -hmm. because of the way our physiology is made up and our um, having more fat Mm -hmm. for, for one is what allows the alcohol to stay in our bodies longer hormonally and not detoxify. Mm -hmm. So it's called telescoping in a woman where a woman that hooks up with a man that drinks is going to be wind up at minimum become a problem drinker if they stay with that man, if not an alcoholic, whereas the man will continue to be having some drinks with the boys and keep on going down that road. And that's where that was all put together. The man will leave the woman, whereas the woman came into the game, didn't even drink, winds up an alcoholic. He leaves her nine out of 10 times. That's so interesting. So then is it more difficult for women to then detoxify from yes. alcohol, for instance? Yes. And do any of the biomarkers in our panel look at those things? Absolutely. Um, one of the whole sections of what we look at is the detoxification markers. Um, really out there in the internet is like the methylation, that's a buzzword, MTHFR, but there's so many more genes that we look at aside from just that one, same in detoxification. If you're not detoxifying your body, you're going to wind up sick. It's to what degree? Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because people will say, oh, I'm doing a detox, But when we talk about helping someone to detoxify, we're not saying drink lemon water. I'm sure that's good. But we're talking about on a cellular level, what genetic SNPs or errors in coding are preventing you from effectively detoxifying? Because our bodies are meant to detoxify themselves. Right. Right. But if you have a coding error, your body literally can't without appropriate intervention. Right. 
which is why sleeping is so important, not just a, are you sleeping? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. It's so vitally important for our bodies because that's where our cells regenerate. And your body is actually doing the most amount of work at night while you're sleeping. Between 2 and 4 a.m., your liver is detoxifying, doing an incredible amount of work. So if that, let's say you're out all night drinking, do you even get to sleep by 2? Let's say you got in early and it was midnight. Now you go to sleep and your body has to start doing this work. Really, really difficult. Oh, you're pulling an all-nighter and you never go to sleep and Mm -hmm. and that detoxification process doesn't work that is so interesting because you think about i'm probably many of us have been there i'll tell myself i've certainly done it the college days of hard night of drinking after uga game go dogs (laughs) and you fall asleep and you fall asleep hard you pass out but it seems to be around that two three in the morning that you wake Wake up. up When in reality, your body is supposed to be doing its hardest work of getting rid of that. So it's a double insult to the body. Right, exactly. And you got your go dogs color on. Got my go dogs. (laughs) So what is happening at night when we've had a big night of drinking, for instance, that makes us wake up? Oh, nothing's worked right. All your cells are sluggish. I mean, that's what a hangover is. You know, Mm -hmm. nothing is working right. And we've changed our neurobiology right? So our levels of serotonin have changed. Our levels of dopamine have changed. Everything has literally changed. Yeah. And that's where like what you understand is, well, I'm anxious now. I'm depressed now because it's a depressant. Mm -hmm. So that's, and then it just becomes a vicious cycle. You're trying to catch up and you're never going to catch up. Yeah. That makes so much sense now that we're talking about it because it's almost like you forced your body into a depressed state And in an effort to find homeostasis, it's going to produce those biochemicals that force you up. Right. So you wake up with that heart racing, that nervousness, that anxiety, that hangover that accompanies anxiety. It seems like you don't just wake up hungover after a while. Now you're nervous. You're not just nervous about what you did the night before. Right. But you don't even know why you're nervous now, but you are. And it's not just a feeling. It's biologically, there's a reason that's happening. So now take somebody who's been in that state for a chronic extended amount of time. We're actually able to measure why that is and how do we intervene because your biology can stay stuck in that even after you've been sober. Right. Absolutely. And, and it, and oftentimes it does. So that's why doing enough of whatever your, your poison is it, be it alcohol, whatever that you're changing your neurobiology and it's actually winds up staying that way. Mm-hmm. So back to the, where we started before we jumped into the science part of it, right. the emotional part. So, yeah. right. We're, we're a biopsychosocial problem. We're also all of those things as people were complex. There's so many layers to us. Mm-hmm. And one part of us is our biology, our physiology that creates us to act out in the ways that we do. So let's say you started your life in, in a family where there was always chaos, there was always drama, there was narcissism from a parent or both parents, um, and you, you really didn't get what you needed. How come you gravitate towards those kind of people? Right. And as you said in the beginning, when a good person comes along, eh, boring, not right. fun. Right. I don't know about them. Nah, nah, I'm bored in a minute. Yeah, you're from what you've learned behavior, you're comfortable in a state of chaos. You're going right. to seek out what right. you know, but then physiologically, 
you're set to operate. Right. Or so you think in chaos. Right. Your physiology has changed from childhood on. So now you're staying in that state of physiology that you most understand without even intellectually understanding why you're making the choices that you do. Yeah. And if we want to talk about trauma, the big T's, the little T's, it's completely subjective. What might be traumatic to you might not be to me or vice versa. No one can tell you what's traumatic. It's unique to yourself. And so it's important to understand that trauma is more than a way to qualify a negative experience because it has a real and measurable physiological impact on the body. That's a fancy way to say that trauma is more than a word. It does something to us on the inside. And once we have measured what it has done, we can undo it. That is so important, Jackie, because there is so much talk about trauma today, so much, and there should be. Yeah. But, and, and as you said, we all have trauma in our lives. The big T's, the little T's, what's traumatic to you may not be traumatic to me, vice versa. But all of those things change our physiology. We have to go a step beyond what the web wants to talk about with trauma, trauma, trauma. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. I mean, the trauma informed part of therapy right now, I think is so overdone because we're bringing attention to trauma existing and validating it. But we have to do more than just talk about ways to not re-traumatize someone. Right. Uh, case in point, the, the therapists that we work with, with Wired BioHealth and our counseling arm, are trauma-informed, right. right? But they also know they have to use lab panels to find out, okay, that trauma exists. Let's unpack that trauma for you. But let's also unpack your physiology. Let's know what's changed within you and to get lasting effects, which we're all after, we start the process because we want to end up in a different place. Well, we've got to add that physiological piece to it because just like your traumas are not my traumas, your little T's are not my little T's, so goes the way your body interprets the data yep. as different than mine. And I love the phrase, the body keeps score, because that's absolutely true. But we don't have to remember the trauma to occur intellectually for our body to remember. Right, right. Biologically, the way I've always said it from the beginning of time has been the body never forgets an insult. Yep. It keeps score, always has. If you think you got away with it, you didn't get away with it. Whether that is a physical trauma, whether that's an emotional trauma, you didn't get away with it. It keeps score. And it changes. And I think what's so interesting is you talk about the NEI super system and how trauma is going to impact each of those things. That's why through a panel, we need to understand what in that, an NEI is the neuroendocrine immunological systems. We all know that they, we now know that they operate together, Mm -hmm. not just as all separate entities within our body. So when we take the example of trauma, trauma is going to impact each of those systems, thereby that super system. We need to figure out what was insulted on a biological level. You don't have to tell me what happened to you, the specific instance, but I can see how this genetic SNP was turned on, this neurotransmitter was lowered, this hormone was elevated, and then what to do about it. Okay, so NEI, neurological, endocrine, immunological. So a lot of trauma in your life, what's that going to do your neurology? It's going to change you. Serotonin levels, dopamine levels, epinephrine, norepinephrine, all of them are going to change. Hormonally, you are going to change. When someone has been under trauma their entire lives, typically their bodies are rounder, mm. right? Mm. 
There's that, that cortisol area where we hold on to our fat around our midsection. That's what's going to happen. Immunologically, when someone is always under stress, always under trauma in their life, eventually they're going to be sick because their immunological system is not functioning the way it's meant to function. It's always fighting. And, and you're now in a state of constant fighting from every level of your body because of what happened initially. So we get back to a relationship. Mm-hmm. You're used to fighting. Here's this great person on the other side of your, your dinner table. You go out and you're like, oh, saying to myself, I wish my friend would call me. You're texting under there. Call <laughs> me. Get me out of here. This is as boring as it gets. Right. Because... You need that drama. You need that fight. You need that chaos because that's where you're comfortable. Yeah. And it makes so much sense that if you've been in a relationship where you're used to love dumping, where it's toxic, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That love dump is that I'm sorry. Now you're in a healthier relationship. It might seem to be boring or disinterested because you don't have that dump. Well, you don't need the dump if you don't have the person actually dumping on you. Well, let's say in the beginning of your relationship, your partner always says, you look beautiful today, Jackie. Oh my goodness, you look beautiful. Now you're into it for years and you know, you, you're not hearing that anymore. You're not seeing that anymore. It's not there anymore. Why? Because if you're used to the, I've got to get that person, I've got to bring them into my world. I'm going to tell them everything that, like what we, you know, everybody's running around using the narcissist word. Mm -hmm. That's what the N word, right? That's what you're doing. You're grabbing them in there and then you have them. So you're done. Well, now you're losing them and you kind of realize that, oh, Jackie, you're beautiful. Oh, like, let's work on this again. It's just going to be a cycle that continues. It just depends where in the cycle you are until you understand from the biopsychosocial piece of why you're living the way you are, it's not going to change. You may have periods mm-hmm. where it's not as often, but it is not going to be a long lasting sustainable change unless you're looking at all aspects. And start with you. If you're, you know, so in love with that partner, you 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 keep talking to them to change and change and change. They also have a biopsychosocial triangle that they live under. They've got to work on all those pieces too. They're used to treating someone that way, bringing them into the web, I'll call it, Mm -hmm. and loving them and loving them and loving them. Then I'm not comfortable here. I'm not comfortable. I really don't know how to have a healthy attachment to you. Let's mess it up. Let me go wander or however I'm going to handle it. Yeah. And that makes so much sense because I think when we see people that get stuck in these cycles, that's exactly what it is. And it's important to remember in a relationship, there are two people. What you just said, I can work on me all day, but if the other person in the relationship isn't, this is never. No, it's not going to work between you and that individual. You'll be better off for it. And you should always want to do the work on yourself. You know, that's where it all starts. Get yourself right. Because then whether or not that that relationship works out, you're, you're loving yourself, that primary relationship. And that's the healthy one. And then probably the most, um, I don't know what, what makes more people attracted to other people. That quality is that confidence that they have. And it's a genuine confidence and people can tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, who are you with makeup and without makeup? People can tell the difference. (laughs) It's true. And I, I'm just so glad that we touched on this topic because although it on its face seems like it doesn't have any place in biology of mental health, it's all of it. 
It definitely does. And that's why people are so complex. You talk all the time about addiction not being a single molecule disease, yet science and the world looks for a single molecule solution, just like with people. We're not a single molecule organism. We're complex beings. And we need to bring all of the tools to the table in order to be our best selves. Right, which is why we're failing everywhere, because we want everything to be a single molecule. Okay, this isn't right. Take this and it's going to fix it. And we are complex. We are so complex as humans, which is all the, so the beauty of, of us as humans, but this magnificent creation that a single molecule can't address. But it's, it's all of those pieces that come together. And even in the therapists that we work with in the counseling aspect of things, it's therapy for your unique biology. Yeah. And I'm glad that we've done the complicated hard work because when I'm talking to clients, I like to say we've done the hard stuff. Now you just have to follow the recommendations. Right. We have put together the panel that says, if we look at these things, we're going to have a clear picture of why you operate the way you do. And now what can we do to optimize it? Absolutely. And it's because we're all unique. It's not the same for everybody. And we want it to be a rote system and it's not, it's it's just not. So you can continue doing the same thing over and over again, looking for a different result. It's not going to happen. Definition of insanity. Yeah. So if this is something you want to learn more about for you, be it because it's a relationship, that's the impetus for change, your mental health, substance misuse, or really any reason we're here to help. I mean, the purpose of this podcast is to give you the education to say, Now I know a little bit more. Let me go take the next action step. So that action step, of course, is contacting us. Um, It's 1-888-841-7099 or visit the website. If you have more of a behavioral health question in general, go to wiredbiohealth.com. If it's a little bit more of an addiction issue, be it substance use disorder or a process addiction, go to wiredforaddiction.com. And we're happy to help. We answer the phone literally 24-7-365. We're going to have a health consultant that's going to be able to talk to you about what we do and how it might best be set up to optimize your life. Absolutely. Doc, this was great. As always, I look forward to our next conversation. Good stuff out there trying to hustle a new relationship myself. (laughs) See you next week. Bye, Doc. Bye.